Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. Hope you're wearing maroon today. Even though we're not playing a ball game, even though we're not taking a trip, we're still Mississippi State folks. It's time to celebrate our bulldog ness on Fridays. I wish Maroon Friday would be a bigger deal. It once was. That was the big thing. You know, it was on Fridays we wore maroon. And uh, I remember... Uh, Scooter Scott Strickland tweeting out uh, Maroon Friday pictures from folks, and that was really cool. And uh, I hope that's something that we continue to do. I know in football season it becomes one of those things people are really excited about. But, um, you know, I'm a Bulldog 365 and then 52 weeks out of the year. I don't even take a day off on Labor Day. I'm proud to be Mississippi State Bulldog. I hope you are as well. And so look forward to, uh, to maybe perhaps Maroon Friday being a bigger deal as we kind of move forward with all this. A lot to discuss today, a lot of reaction to, if, for those of you that missed it, about the uh, the NCAA legislation that was passed earlier this week that would allow uh, partial scholarship sports to be able to stack financial aid uh, to kind of provide those students an opportunity to pay uh, to pay for school a little easier. It's great. It's, it's an, it was an antiquated model anyway. Uh, and there are a lot of people out there, again, that uh, really are not baseball programs, and I get it. Baseball is kind of a drag financially on their athletic department. Not everybody has it as, uh, as good as we do. And speaking of that, I don't know if you saw that uh, wrote an article yesterday about how Mississippi State, among the SEC's most physically fit, which means we're able to put a competitive program on the floor and on the field and uh, still turn a profit. And it's important to do that. I, I, listen, I've talked to some college administrators here in a couple of days you know, about that, hey, do you do you really want a big surplus? Like Texas A&M has a huge surplus, put like $40 million in the bank. But, um, you know, there's only so much you can build. Uh, Mississippi State, obviously, has done a good job kind of maintaining that rainy day fund. If you've looked around uh, the world of college athletics here in, uh, in recent months, there have been some layoffs at a lot of programs. And uh, Mississippi State has not been one of those. And part of that is because of Larry Templeton, Scott Strickland, and Greg Byrne and John Cohen doing a good job managing the rainy day fund. But that's not going to last forever, that's for sure. But you can check that out over at jeanspage.com if you hadn't done so. It's also on my Twitter feed. And, and we discussed earlier this week, Jamar Chaney has come home. So it's been a good week uh, for the Bulldogs. We just need things to kind of continue to trend in a positive direction. Uh, it's one of those things where I'm beginning to think about, you know, college sports. And there's been a lot of people that have come out, a lot more positivity this week. And I know there are a lot of people, too, and we've shared this on the show many times, people only believe information that supports their side of an argument. It's just like when the MEAC announced that they were not going to be able to play this year. You know, people are like, oh, well, that's it. Listen, the SEC is not going to make any decision based on what the, mid, you know, the, the Mid-American Conference is going to do or the, or the Middle East Athletic Conference is going to do or the Sun Belt or the Southland. They're not going to do that. And so, but there, there are these doom and gloomers as soon as something like that happens, they got to go run to Twitter, run to Facebook, and say, hey, look what happened. Now, of course, when uh, it's reported that, um, you know, Kentucky or Boston College or somebody like that, that their entire football program tests negative for, for the COVID, that just kind of slides under the radar, doesn't it? So, you know, again, I, I'm a firm believer in doing your own research, and sometimes it's difficult, even when you do your own research, to find information that is somewhat unbiased. I'm a firm believer in just uh, living day to day. Just focus on what I can do today. Listen, I, I can't 
influence Greg Sankey. I can't influence Mark Emmert. I can't interview John, influence John Cohen or, or Dr. Mark Keenum for that matter. But I can handle my own responsibilities, and that's what I try to do each and every day. And so I hope that you are, are kind of cut from that same cloth, and I hope you have a great weekend planned. It's, uh, it's hot, man. Oh, my goodness, is it hot. I don't even like going outside right now, but uh, be that as it may, got to get some yard work done this weekend. It looks like it'll be a good weekend for that. Hopefully you guys do as well. And let me go ahead. It's around that time for me to start reminding you guys, get start working on that honey-do list, right? Because you've been putting it off and putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And you, and you listen, you had the quarantine and the, uh, you had the lockdowns and that sort of stuff. And then you're like, well, you know, I'm going to get caught up on my Netflix. But uh, it's a different day now. We're going to get ready to push some football here pretty soon, so go ahead and get those things knocked out. To that end, I don't know if you saw yesterday, reports circulating out of Arkansas that uh, the Big 12, the ACC, and the SEC remain in open dialogue about playing each other this year. You know, that was the big report is, oh, no, no, not conference games. But uh, there is still an ongoing dialogue and some things to figure out. And uh, I'm a little more optimistic than I was maybe a week ago. You know, because when we started hearing these things closing, it was very reminiscent of what we went through in mid-March when, oh, we're going to cancel this weekend's baseball, but we'll play next weekend. Then we cancel the whole season. We cancel the, the conference tournaments. You cancel the, the NCAA tournaments. It was like once things began to get closed, it was a domino effect. And that's kind of how it felt towards the end of last week is that, um, you know, as we began to get these reports, about other Power Five conferences making some decisions, it just seemed like, you know what, maybe they're just not ready to tell us the truth. Um, and so I don't feel that way this week. I might feel differently next week, but this week I still feel pretty optimistic. We're going to get some things done and we're going to have a college football season. I think it's important to remember, too, NASCAR had fans. NASCAR had events this, this week and uh, had some fans there. And listen, credit to them for kind of getting out first. Uh, and there'll be a little bit of a guinea pig situation there. But uh, listen, we need some other sports to kind of lead here because of the fact that, you know, we're dealing with amateur athletes. It's one of those things when you're dealing with professional athletes and that they kind of understand the risk. But uh, when you're dealing with young people it's and amateur athletes, it is a much different situation. And so if we can get these pro sports out there and kind of get some of these protocols established and kind of learn from them, I think it will give everybody a little more of a comfort level if we move forward. Speaking of comfort, Bulldog Burger Company, absolutely back in business, absolutely doing the deal. Go by and see them. Two locations now to serve you right here on University Drive in Sark Vegas and on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Had a good friend passing through town yesterday, went and had Bulldog Burger Company and shared with me and said, you know what, Bulldog Burger Company was open and it was great as usual. That's exactly how it is. Go by, check them out. Let me remind you to get the spring rolls. They'll make you and everyone in your dinner party better looking. We all need more of that. Go find your own favorites. So many options to choose from. And listen, you can get your hamburger the traditional way. You can get it on a gluten-free bun. You can get it on a bed of lettuce. You can get it however you want it. But the bottom line is this. You need to reward yourself with a great restaurant-quality hamburger, and you will find none finer than you find at Bulldog Burger Company. Again, Bulldog Burger Company the place in Starkville and now Tupelo where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. So let's get into uh, a few things. You know, I had a, I had a long discussion uh, yesterday with a good friend of mine. We were talking about value recruiting. And what I mean by that is when you begin to look at some of these players that maybe, you know, maybe we're not blue chip type players, 
but had great careers at Mississippi State. And you say, hey, you know, we really got the value of our scholarship out of that player and then some. And the reason that I bring that up is, uh, listen, Mississippi State sitting here with 10 commitments right now. And uh, listen, and we're going to be up against the 83 this year, so we won't be able to sign a full class. That said, we're going to have a good class. Now, is it going to be a great class? It's not. I don't think it's going to be a great class because of the fact we don't have the in-state star power to push that. Can we be top 30? I expect to be. Can we be top 25? Possibly. We're going to need some things to go well for us and probably pick up some guys late. Uh, Malik Neighbors is probably the highest rated player on the board right now that Mississippi State has a very realistic chance of getting. It's a wide receiver out of Louisiana. We still expect that to happen. I, I still expect that to happen this month. Not sure it happens today, not sure it happens tomorrow, but I expect it to happen uh, pretty soon. I think it's just a matter of time before that happens. Uh, you know, these kids today, they, they like to do the social media stuff, and I understand that uh, Malik Neighbors has already begun to get the, the edits or the graphics uh, together for his commitment. Now, I believe that's going to be Mississippi State, and I believe it's going to be very, very significant. The problem with all that is there's not a lot of star, star power within the state to kind of complement Teddy Knox. Sawyer Robertson and Malik Neighbors. So I think we're going to need some late additions to kind of push into the top 25. And it's one of the reasons that I wanted to have this show today. There have been so many times we get a little bit impatient. You know, Joe and Dan both did great recruiting during the summer months. Now, the biggest part of that is that's kind of the end of an evaluation. You've had the spring evaluation period. You've had a chance to see these guys in jamborees or see them in spring practices. You've had a chance to get them on your campus and work them out, kind of remove any question marks that you have about their ability. And so Mike Leach and his staff, like every other staff in the country, doesn't have the benefit of that in-person evaluation. And with Mike Leach tucked away in Pullman, Washington, we weren't recruiting many of the same kids. I mean, sure, they, they had offered Will Rogers, but that's the, uh, the Gardner Minshew effect. My point being is that you know, yeah, you've got recruiting staffers here that uh, have information on kids and have film and that sort of stuff, but it's it's a little different deal. And so one of the reasons you haven't seen this big summer run of commitments is because it's a lack of summer activity. You can't get guys on campus. You can't work them out. And there's only so much huddle film you could watch. Once you've seen it all, you've seen it all. And then you, you think, you know what, I just want to see the kid in person. I just want to know, you know, what's he like? Is he as big as they say he is? How does he move? How does he operate? You know, it's just one of those things. It's like it's like internet dating. You know, it's like there's so many people that get to know each other through social media, but then uh, don't have an opportunity to kind of get together very often. And so I think it's important before you pull a trigger, before you put a ring on it, you have an opportunity to, uh, to have some interaction of a personal nature face-to-face. And there are some players out there, you know, listen, we're, we're paying Mike Leach $5 million a year to go win football games and get us to the next level. And so I find it a little bit short-sighted to say, well, you know, I don't understand why we don't have this and why, why don't we already have 15, 20 commitments. Uh, let me remind you of this. Mississippi State, especially under Dan Mullen, did a great job of adding late value to the classes. And I'm going to run some of that down for you today. Some of this even goes back to the end of Sylvester Croom era. But there are going to be a lot of players that we encounter in October and through our fall evaluations 
and they're going to, some of the same people that are saying, you know what, we should have 20 commitments right now. We say, man, I wish we had more room for this kid here. That's why I think what we're doing now, we're playing it smart. There's no need to panic. There's some other people out there that are taking commitments from kids that they could take in December to try to supplement their class and to try to, you know, kind of win some the public court of public opinion. I'm fine with where we are. I think we've got to do a better job of prioritizing some in-state kids. There's some guys out there that I, I've heard from reliable sources that were very, very close to committing to Mississippi State, and we weren't quite ready to pull the trigger. And here's the deal that I'll say about that. You know, Mike Leach and his staff are not going to conduct a poll of all of us to say, hey, should we take this kid? If they have reservations about a kid, then they don't need to take him. They need to wait until they know for sure this is a kid that fits their system because here's the deal. We know how to recruit to the Dan Mullen scheme. We've, we've, we've watched it for nine years. We know kind of what Joe Moorhead's looking for. Took us a couple of years to figure it out. But the bottom line is, you know, we have not run an offensive system like this. We don't necessarily know the skill set that Mike Leach is looking for. We don't know how he operates yet. And so it's easy for us to get sideways on this stuff and say, well, you know, Stephen Paul really liked this kid. Something must be wrong with our recruiting efforts if uh, Mike Leach hadn't taken his commitment. Or why would Mike let this guy go that way? Why, why aren't they prioritizing this guy? Why aren't they ramping up the, the attention for this player? You know, we may see things completely different. And that's not to say one's right or wrong, but, his, but let's just be honest. Mike Leach's vote's the one that matters most. It's the only one that really counts. So here are some things that I wanted to bring up because I think, again, it's important not to fill up on kids Early. That was one of the things the last couple of years, especially last year, people were kind of critical of Jim Moorhead said, why did we take all these kids in June that we probably could have waited and maybe fished in the deeper water and see if we could get a big fish before we move forward with this? We, we took a lot of kids early last year that, uh, and listen, I'm not saying they're not going to be good players, but you know, we were almost full by the time the season started. And that was the big criticism. It's like, man, why did we take this kid and we have so much time left in the recruiting process? He would still be there uh, in January. I'm a firm believer is if, if, if you'll take him, then you take him now unless you've got better options on the board. But uh, be that as it may, let's take a look at some of the guys in the last uh, decade or so that were kind of late additions to the class. So I'm going to start first with Boneyard Listener. And good friend of mine, Tobias Smith. Tobias Smith was committed to Southern Miss. Mississippi State got on him very, very late. He was part of that last class of 08. Uh, the first, last official class was Sylvester Croom. And there were so many people throughout the process. They were like, I cannot believe we have an offer this kid. He's right there in Columbus. He loves Mississippi State. And, and listen, I'll be honest with you. It was a lot closer than people realized. Because of the fact that State kind of took their time with him, uh, you know, he wasn't quite as excited to jump in the boat. You know, we had we still had to recruit him. But where would we be without Tobias Smith? And listen, I know he had some injuries. But Tobias Smith, one of the best offensive linemen of the Dan Mullen era, without question. Big, physical, nasty, mean-spirited player. Uh, you know, had some ankle injuries and that sort of stuff. But uh, that, that was the last addition to the 2008 class. I was there on signing day. Made the trip over. I was living in Baton Rouge then. Came all the way up here to watch Tobias Smith sign and interview him. Got the in-person interview. That, that's how we used to do it. You know, that's before everybody was on social media uh, doing the videos. But uh, 
Now, Tobias Smith, again, had, had we filled up in, in June, we wouldn't have had room for Tobias Smith, who ended up being an anchor of that offensive line. Let's move ahead now to 2009. Sylvester Croom was very, very excited about Tracy Lampley. Tracy Lampley, Pound Lampley from Wayne County, that was the guy that he wanted. For some reason, we could not get him in the boat. But as soon as Dan Mullen gets here, Dan and his staff's evaluation was much different. They liked, they liked Ladarius Perkins better, and so they offered Ladarius Perkins. They dropped Tracy Lampley and picked up Ladarius Perkins. And listen, in those early years of Dan Mullen, Ladarius Perkins was a tremendous complimentary back. He was the swing guy. He was the kind of the third down back for us, uh, a compliment back to, to Vic Ballard. But uh, Perkins is just one of those guys. It was a great late addition. And we got great value out of that scholarship. Speaking of Vic Bauer, that was your 2010 guy. There was a lot of discussion then if we were even going to take another running back. And we weren't exactly sure. But, you know, Montreal Connor didn't work out. Montreal Connor, of course, was a big-time recruit uh, for us, an under-armor All-American, and just was too stiff to play in this game. Probably fit uh, the Sylvester Croom offense better, kind of as a one-cut runner. I just don't know that he was dynamic enough to play in the spread. And so he didn't work out, and so we decided to go get Big Ballard. You know, a lot of people forget Big Ballard was the number two running back at Pascagoula High School until his senior year. Late bloomer, blossomed, went to Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College. I think we beat out South Florida, or maybe, maybe it was just Troy. I mean, he had next to nothing working. And we'd take that kid, and he was an NFL running back. Starting next to Andrew Luck, he was an NFL starting running back that we got out of the junior college ranks, another Mississippi kid. But again, one of those, just, okay, let's take the kid. Let's go Let's go get him. He wasn't the guy we built a class around. There was not much fanfare at all about Vic Bowers. As a matter of fact, there were a lot of people that were kind of critical saying, you know what, why are we taking a junior college back? We don't need a junior college back. And then, uh, Vic, of course, really kind of helped put the first wheel in the Dan Mullen bandwagon here uh, at Mississippi State. You're kind of moving ahead to 2011. Here's one of my favorite recruiting stories. So, you know, you had the whole C.J. Johnson fiasco, uh, which is, you know, listen, I thought C.J. Johnson was a great player at Philadelphia High School. I think C.J. Uh, probably fell under the influence of some of the wrong people, and he, he may disagree. I'm sure he had a great experience at Ole Miss outside of the football program. Uh, but, you know, I believe he played out of position at Ole Miss because they were so dreadful as pass rushers. So they had to put him basically as a rush end, and he was broke up all the time. I think if he'd played at Mississippi State as a linebacker, he's probably in the NFL today. But be that as it may, you know, when things really began to go south, and, and that was all out there at the Under Armour, I mean, the, uh, the U.S. Army game, I was out there. That was when uh, Tobias Smith was going to announce for Ole Miss and Nick Brousel was going to flip to Ole Miss. And uh, C.J. was just almost despondent about it. And the next thing you know, he figured if you can't beat him, join him. And he makes the flip. And then, uh, you know, the, 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 the talking point that he was given is, well, Manny Diaz. Manny Diaz is leaving. So that, that was just a convenient excuse. But here's the deal. He takes the official visit to Mississippi State. And, uh, you know, State gave him every opportunity to come back in the class. He decided he wanted to go to Ole Miss. And, listen, that's part of the deal, too. Uh, you know, sometimes kids decide they like it better up there for one reason or another, many of them not football-related. But be that as it may, once C.J. Johnson let Dan Mullen know for sure, Coach, I'm not coming back, I'm going to Ole Miss, that scholarship spot went to 
Number 23, from Morton, Mississippi, to Vez Calhoun, the last member of that 2011 class. And my goodness, where would we have been without Tevez Calhoun? What, what would our lives have been like without seeing him suplex wide receivers out there in open space? I don't know if we had anybody that typified the Mississippi State story better during those years than Tevez Calhoun. MVP of the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star Game, and that was one of those things, too. I know that Reed Stringer and that group had moved on to UL Lafayette, and I know they were probably hopeful that State wasn't going to offer but Tony Hughes, obviously out of Forest, Mississippi, was well aware of Tavez Calhoun. And as soon as they knew for certain CJ wasn't coming back, they gave that spot to the best available player and proved to be Tavez Calhoun, who went to the National Football League. I would submit to you right now, Tavez Calhoun had a better career and a better experience at Mississippi State than CJ Johnson did at Ole Miss. So I think we can say who won in that deal. Okay, moving ahead here, one of the, the one of those late additions to another great recruiting story that many people don't know. 2013 Fred Ross. Les Kenning was on Fred Ross. Les Kenning had some traction there. And uh, Tim Brewster didn't think we could get him. Brew didn't think Ross would come. You know, um, you know, Fred obviously had some family here uh, at Mississippi State. And that helped. But Les Kenning stood on the table for this kid and said, listen, I can get him. Give me time because they were going to take somebody else. Kenning stayed on him, convinced Melanie could get him. We do get him. But had we not had that scholarship, you know, if we had filled up in August and September, I don't know that Mullen is as, is as patient about that situation as he proved to be. And Fred Ross named all over the Mississippi State record books one of the most prolific receivers to ever wear the uniform. But again, you fill up on wide receivers in the summertime, and all of a sudden these situations emerge, and either you got to drop somebody or cut somebody or, or kind of run somebody off. But, uh, but again, Fred Ross was a late addition to the class. Let's go to 2014. 2014 class, I don't know if you guys remember, the last two guys in that class are among the last two guys in that class. They were high school teammates, and they're both in the National Football League today. J.T. Gray and Elton Jenkins. J.T. Gray, if you remember, had moved to Arizona and spent some time there and was a top 10 prospect in the state of Arizona. A lot of people thought he would go to Arizona, Arizona State. Moves back to Mississippi. Ends up coming to Mississippi State. We, you know, we needed we needed offensive linemen. Bunchy Stallings, if you remember him, Bunchy Stallings uh, from uh, South Pike High School, the younger brother of Trey Stallings, former Ole Miss Rebel Trey Stallings. Uh, Dad went to Southern Miss, and so you know Bunchy was uh, leaning to Mississippi State. And I understand that uh, you know Trey and those guys didn't want him going to state, so he goes to Kentucky. Well, then that scholarship goes to Eldon Jenkins who became one of the SEC's best interior offensive linemen and was arguably Mississippi State's best lineman the entire four years he was here. I remember him getting downfield in that 2015 Belk Bowl and just absolutely plowing people in the ground. In 2016 Egg Bowl, uh, Elton Jenkins nearly beat almost by himself. If you go back and look at those early offensive drives, and many of you have that game still on DVR, you go watch that game, Elton Jenkins has Tony Connor diving for cover over and over and over again. They wanted no piece of Elton Jenkins, and I don't blame them. 
And now look what he's doing. JT Gray, of course, doing a great job with the Saints. Elton Jenkins, considered one of the best young offensive linemen in the National Football League. And again, because we had spots available. We had spots available late. And listen, I think we hit on most of those linemen that year. I mean, it was one of those things, too, we really struggled. But, uh, you know, the guys we did sign ended up playing well. For I think Cochran's the only one that didn't really play. But, uh, again, 2014, a couple of kids we, we kind of threw in the boat late because there was a lot of discussion. It was JT Gray and Brandon Bryant were supposed to be an either-or deal, and then we ended up taking both of them. And JT Gray had a great career here at Mississippi State as well. So I want to skip ahead a little bit here to 2017. 2017, one of those years, too, we had we had the number one junior college class in the country. And people kind of laughed about that. Yeah, and so we started putting those guys in the National Football League. Montez Sweat was part of that group. Jonathan Abram was part of that group. Deion Pope was, too. Didn't get to enroll due to some off-the-field issues, and uh, I think he would have been a great player for us. Uh, but, you know, one of the, the, the swing guy in that group, a guy that we, we, we – a couple of guys we almost didn't take was Brian Cole and Chauncey Rivers. You know, Brian Cole was a guy late, and we kind of won him by default late. And then Chauncey Rivers was a guy we weren't sure we were going to have room for. And then we, uh, we, we had to make an adjustment to make sure that we could uh, – to accommodate him. And where would, where would we be without those two guys, especially last year? You know, defensively, we had some issues, and those guys were, were leaders on the team. If you remember, they had to take a redshirt year because of uh, some transcript issues when they were leaving East Mississippi. But those are two guys, too, because we had some spots, we had some flexibility, and we ended up bringing in two of the, uh, two of the guys that ultimately became leaders for our team. Now, there's some more recent kids, too, that, uh, that are of issue. You know, but the one that jumps out to me, because I have heard from numerous coaches, previous and current, that DeCamryon Richardson is an absolute steal. Guy that we signed late last year out of Louisiana. It's one of those guys. We, we, we recruited him throughout the process, and we finally offered him. We got him in. We had to hold off Tennessee late. This is a kid that a lot of people tell me has, has NFL potential. But because we had a spot late, he, we used one of those best available spots. It's always good to save one or two. That you know, I know Dan Mullen used to have a best available offense, best available defense that he would save for later in the process. And that's kind of what happened in a situation with Richardson. And uh, I listen, Darcel McBath has told me that he's really excited about this kid, and he thinks he has the potential uh, to really be an impact player at Mississippi State. And so we'll see how things progress with him. But you know, I just I say all that to say this. Just be patient. You know, a lot of people say, oh, just trust the coaches and you shouldn't have an opinion. I don't feel that way. I think it's okay to hold people accountable. But I think with what we're dealing with right now, filling up on kids that we're not exactly sure about is the wrong move. Uh, listen, I think we should ramp things up. Listen, the Canaris Johnson thing bothers me because I think we could have him. But when you begin to look at the math here and say, okay, we've got Brandon Buckhalter committed. We've got Teddy Knox committed. We're expecting to get Malik Neighbors this month. We're not sure if we're going to take four or five receivers. Do I want to have all my receivers locked up in June and July, or do I want to leave a spot open? Because you still got Jacoby Moore out there, and I think Mississippi State leads for him. And then uh, you've got Canaris Johnson. I think if State goes all in on both of those kids, you get them. But what if you're only signing four? Then you've got a decision to make between those two but you've still got to continue to recruit them because of the fact that, you know, what happens if Brandon Buckhalter flips the old Miss? You know, what, what if something like that occurs? And so we'll see how things develop. 
but again, you like to have some room to operate because how many times in the last couple of years have we gotten down to the end and we've had to let good players go because we didn't have room for them? So just thought I'd run that down for you today because it was an interesting conversation because I, I began to think about some of these late additions sometimes. Listen, in the sign-in-place years, it was different because you signed those guys just to kind of put your stamp on them so you could keep them uh, when they came back out of junior college. But uh, you know, but now it's a different day and time. And so when you go out and sign these kids, you've got to have value late. And, I, and I've shared many times with you guys I, what I thought Dan Mullen did the best job of any Mississippi State coach we've ever had. It wasn't that he got value out of the top 10 players in his class. It's that he got value in the bottom 10 players in his class. He was able to develop those guys like Preston Smith, uh, P.J. Jones, and many others. Those were guys that, uh, you know, were value-type scholarships. Those are guys you go out and you get them because you like them, no matter who's recruiting them, and you add them a little bit late. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Next thing you know, that they end up being great players for you. And so it's nice to have that availability. So uh, hotthorn.co, listen, I told you guys before, you're going to have to take this bull by the horns yourself. Take the quiz. Go to hotthorn.co. That's H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co. Go do that and take their quiz, and they will pair you up with fragrances based on your personal preferences. I don't even think the quiz takes two minutes, but you could do it today. A lot of people have asked me, Steve, are you really just saying this? No, I'm not just saying this. If I didn't believe in these products, I would replace them with a different advertiser. Okay? Simple as that. I have many Bulldog fans that have reached out and said, you know what, Steve, I got that stuff. I absolutely love it. It is, without a doubt, the best cologne that I've ever had. No, no question. I used to wear Dracar back in the days, and there's probably some rayon shirts tucked away in my closet at my mom's house that just smell like Dracar and, and deep regret. Uh, and then I, you know, I went with whatever was popular for a while. And then you go with chaps and polo and all that kind of stuff because you wear what other people wear. But not what everybody wears smells the same on you. Go find things that fit you and your personality at hotthorn.co and use promo code BONEYARD. 
to unlock some savings for yourself. Again, that's H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E dot C-O, promo code Boneyard. All right, top 10 list today comes to you from the homie Ryan Sparks. Ryan Sparks, if you, if you don't know him, he's the guy that uh, is with the, uh, the Go to Hell Ole Miss uh, tailgating group. I think they've got the, uh, I think their banners, the Ole Miss sucks. I think that's right. But be that as it may, you go by and see them. They're great people. Uh, Reed Sparks hit a home run earlier this year. Really, really proud for him and for the whole family. So let's get into the top 10 list. And so uh, Ryan reaches out to me and says, hey, let's do a top 10 list of ZZ Top songs. And, you know, the music, song, the music top 10 lists have been more popular. I get more more responses about that than we do the movies. There are so often somebody will bring up movies. I don't think we've had a movie one since we did the Rob Lowe thing. Maybe that, that cured you guys of that. But uh, be that as it may, Ryan Sparks, he and I are disagree on number one, okay? But there are a few honorable mentions that I wanted to mention before we get started, and some of these are kind of unmentionable on a family show. So I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to use some, uh, some, some uh, PC names for some of these. Uh, yeah, one of the things I'll share too, I'm not a huge fan of the Afterburner album, even though I know that that was a, it was a huge album for them kind of coming off Eliminator, but it was a little bit too overproduced. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, Rough Boy was kind of a power ballad for them and it was a big hit. I like it. Okay. And there's a, you know, let me see, let me think there's another song on there. I guess Sleeping Bag is on that album. That's a good one. Uh, I like... Beer Drinkers and Hellraisers, because I'm retired from the first part of that. And uh, there's a song about some pearl jewelry that is kind of funny and, and uh, filled with innuendo. And then uh, something about the Snake Boogie that uh, you guys might be familiar with. I like those songs. They did not make my top ten. They might make your top ten. Your top ten would be wrong. So here we go. My top ten ZZ Top songs going out to my buddy Ryan Sparks. Number ten. I thank you. Uh, love, love the blues aspect of that. And I, my favorite ZZ Top is the blues stuff. The blues stuff, and they really just kind of get in there and just kind of groove. I don't, I don't like all the, uh, the overproduced baseline electronic stuff when it comes to ZZ Top. I, I just think, I think it fits. All right. So uh, number nine for me is I'm bad. I'm nationwide. You should check that out if you haven't. One of the more recent hits for them. And it stands to reason it would be on our list. Just my heart, my head's in Mississippi. Go check that one out if you haven't. An old, old ZZ Top songs. Jesus Just Left Chicago. I got that number seven. Uh, I think Ryan had that number one. I don't have it number one. I, I like some of the radio hits a little bit better than that one. Number six for me, and again, one that's filled with innuendo. It's really kind of straightforward, really, but it's tush. I'm just looking for some tush. Not Kush, capital T. Number five for me is Give Me All Your Lovin'. Number four, Just Got Paid, one of the best blues tracks in the ZZ Top catalog. And then we get into the final three. And I think most people have these, these in their top three. I think most people do. And it's really just the order in which they go. Number three for me is Legs. Great video. If you hadn't seen it, go check it out. It's kind of one of those uh, oh Cinderella stories. You know where they go get the the, the the unpretty girl, and she gets the makeover, and, and now she's beautiful, which she always was beautiful. They just kind of dressed her down a little bit. Uh, number two, 
probably the breakthrough hit for ZZ Top. I think one of the, this song really introduced ZZ Top to a new generation of fans. Because, you know, people forget ZZ Top was founded like in the late 1960s. They played through the 70s, but in the 80s, they really kind of exploded and they, they had to kind of appeal to the MTV generation. And maybe because this was a soundtrack to the Fantastics video on Mid-South Wrestling, but it's Sharp Dressed Man. Uh, I think everybody knows this song. I mean, most people probably know the words this and probably could just put the song on and not even think about it, but sing right along with it. But number one for me, and because I have been through this place multiple times in my travels covering college football and covering uh, the U.S. Army game and all that sort of stuff is LaGrange. Uh, I think LaGrange is, to me, the unmistakable ZZ Top song. I think it typifies everything about them. I still think it's rather ironic that two guys have beards and then the, the drummer doesn't have a beard and his last name is Beard. How about that? It's kind of weird. All right, that's the top 10 list. If you've got ideas for top 10, and they're stacking up, I'll be honest with you, I think I've got enough to get to the, the, the next two to three weeks. But uh, sometimes people send me stuff that appeals to me more so than it does uh, at other times. And so share that with me, and uh, we'll get that together. We'll talk about it, and you may disagree. But uh, I enjoy celebrating music with all of you. Love music is a big part of my life, and I hope it is for you as well. I don't know if you have been following this. Our Paul Jones has kind of been all over this. But uh, Mississippi State men's basketball player Quentin Post is still in the Netherlands because there is a, still a travel ban. And so he, has, uh, he, he went home when we had the quarantine back in March, when they locked everything down and canceled uh, everything in the world, and is having a tough time getting back in the country. And so... They're figuring that out. They will get that taken care of. But, uh, you know, it's one of those deals when the government's involved, sometimes things move really slow, no matter who's in charge. But, uh, you know, Paul had an update today on that. If you, if you want to see the latest, and it is a little more hopeful now, uh, you can go see that in the uh, in the biscuits that Paul posts those. And uh, it's, it's interesting to me. There are so many opinions about men's basketball right now. A lot of people have said, well, Steve, what do you really think about the direction of Mississippi State men's basketball? And, uh, and when I am honest about it, people say, oh, Steve, you're just being negative. No, I, I just tried to be a realist about this. I'm very concerned about th this season. You know, we're going to play uh, a lot of kids that didn't know each other before. And we're going to have uh, a lot of uh, returning players that are going to be in new roles. It's just an interesting dynamic for us. But we really need Robert Woodard to come back. Now, there is a lot of discussion because of the fact that Woodard uh, hasn't had the opportunity to really showcase his skills, that he is kind of in a holding pattern when it comes to the NBA draft. And uh, what I am told privately is that he is going to have to have a first-round guarantee before he fully commits to the NBA draft. Now, the other side of that story is, is what if there is a delay in men's basketball this year? What if there is a cancellation of winter sports again? And that some of that will kind of shake out here in the next week or two. Uh, if he has no opportunity to advance himself on the college level again, then he is probably smart to go ahead and go. And so there are a lot of moving parts to that whole deal. But I think Robert Woodard is going to be the key for Mississippi State season because, number one, very experienced player, experienced rebounder, hard-nosed defender, and a guy that whose offensive game has really begun to develop 
here over the last year. I think he could really be a standout player for Mississippi State this year. What's interesting, too, Reggie Perry not really appearing in a lot of the mock drafts as of late. Uh, you know, he elected to go out and sign with an agent, and uh, as did uh, Nick Weatherspoon. And I think both of those guys are probably looking to go overseas when it's all said and done. Reggie may get an opportunity just because I think that he's a guy that uh, brings real value to a professional organization as a rebounder and a post player. Even And he's a guy that can play with, you know, kind of facing the basket. But Robert Woodard is what matters to Mississippi State this year. Nick and Reggie are not coming back, but there's hope of adding Robert. If you don't have him, uh, I think it's. I think we're in for a very challenging season. And that's not to say that we don't have some talent uh, returning, but most of that talent's going to be on you know, on the perimeter. It's going to be very guard oriented, and there's going to be a lot of those guys again that are kind of acclimating to college life for the first time. Uh, we'll see what happens with Smith. He's a transfer guy from Western Kentucky, and uh, will have to be counted on to do a good job this year. But I feel like outside of the starting five, that's where the real question marks really stand for. That's where they really stand. It's you know, where do we have any depth? Uh, you know, listen, there are so many players on this team that uh, that were recruited by Ben Howland and his staff, and so it's not like it's a transition deal whatsoever. I mean, these are these are guys that they've gone out, identified, and said, you know what, these guys play the style of basketball that we want to play here at Mississippi State, and so. The thing that I keep going back to is uh, if you look at the trajectory of our program, uh, is it where we want it to be? And I, and I would say it probably isn't, but I think last year we didn't have a chance to finish the deal, and so you kind of get a mulligan in that respect. Yeah, I don't think we would have made the tournament. I, and a lot of people said, well, you know, we, we could have won two games. I don't know that we win the first game. I don't know that we beat Florida on a neutral floor. I just don't. But be that as it may, that's behind us now. But I think this is an, a very important year about the direction of the Mississippi State men's basketball program, and I think we all see that. Now, one of the things, you know, someone brought this up in chat last night, is, well, I think that staff's done a great job considering the level of fan support. Well, my argument with that would be is, uh, you know, I remember when Vic Schaefer didn't have anybody coming to games. And once they began to play at a high level, People came. People turned out. It became the hottest ticket in town. Dan Mullen, similar situation. Now, Dan Mullen harped on it a lot earlier and said, hey, listen, we need the fans to be here all the time, not just when we're playing, you know, marquee SEC opponent, but when we're playing Houston or UAB or Jackson State. We need the crowd to be packed. And uh, I don't know that it was always packed, but all the tickets were always sold. And I know some of those were bought by corporations and that sort of stuff and businesses that are friendly to Mississippi State. But the attendance grew, and a lot of that had to do with the fact that uh, we were playing a better brand of football. Sylvester Croom is a great man. Uh, I had a great staff. Like, I had a lot of great friends that I still are in, am in touch with that uh, were a part of that staff. But uh, we weren't winning many football games, and uh, that's really the issue. You know? And so why would people want to pack the car, drive to Starkville, deal with all the parking, and watch a substandard product on the floor, or on the field, or on the court, or on a track. It's not going to happen. There are too many options. Netflix is too available and too cheap for people to say, you know what? Eh, I think I'm just going to go. I'm going to go to the ball game. No, it's not like it was when we were kids. I remember, 
you know, my dad lived in Canton, Mississippi, so it wasn't a big deal for us to go jump on the Natchez Trace and come on up here. That's back before 25 was four-laned. Yeah, because I'm from the 1900s, Sonny. Uh, so my point being is that it was a big deal when we would get in the car and make the drive to Starkville. You didn't have as many entertainment options back then. And so, and there weren't a lot of ball games. We didn't have the SEC network back then. And so if you wanted to see the Bulldogs play more times than not, you had to go see us play live. And I remember what a huge deal it was for us to come. We didn't get to come that often. But when we had a chance to come, it was special. Nowadays, I don't know how special it is for those of us that live so close. I mean, I think sometimes we take all that for granted. And we go to the ball games. we're thinking, man, why, why is nobody here? I don't understand. Well, I'll tell you why they're not there is because they're, they're disappointed. You know, people vote with their attendance when it comes to sports. And that is probably the biggest truism in the history of athletics is if people want to see you play, they will pay to see you play. If you're playing meaningful basketball games, people are going to fill Humphrey Coliseum. We've shown that. I will never forget that women's basketball night when we played South Carolina and we beat Asia Wilson and beat South Carolina here. What an electric atmosphere that was. But that was a that was an, a night, you know, three or four years in the making. You know, we kind of grew to that moment that we could compete with the nation's elite and be able to beat them on our home floor. Vic Schaefer had several marquee wins right here in Humphrey Coliseum. So you knew when you went, when you packed the car to go, you say, you know what? Not only are we going to go see Mississippi State play, we're going to go see Mississippi State win. That's not the case on the men's side. Now, listen, I understand that we had a really good home record a couple of years ago. But what wins do we have to really hang our hat on? Okay, well, we won to Florida last year. Okay, great. And then the year before, we beat Auburn here. Uh, we beat Vanderbilt, I guess, in year one. That was when uh, Q had the buzzer beater. But the bottom line is, is we haven't had that signature type win to really show that Mississippi State men's basketball is back. And that's got nothing to do with attendance. And it's one of those things, too, and, and, I, and there are people that I'm sure I'll get some direct messages, some text messages. It's one of those things about some of my peers in the media that kind of irritates me a little bit is, uh, listen, I, I am never going to sit here and, and tell you how you should spend your money or time. Uh, I encourage you to come watch Mississippi State play as often as you can. But if, if you're unpleased with the product, I know you're not going to come. And, and I don't blame you for not coming. Listen, I, I listen. I would love it if every Mississippi State sporting event was always sold out, and we had people, you know, uh, jockeying to get tickets. I wish that was the case. I wish we were that type of program. That uh, the biggest problem in John Cohen's life was trying to figure out a way to expand our stadiums and our venues to make them look nice and uh, be able to accommodate everybody. But that's not where we are. And I also understand too that many of the times that uh, listen, if you're if you're mom and dad and you've got a family of uh, four and you're thinking, okay, let, let's get out of town and let's go up to Bulldog Burger Company and get us a burger and go watch the Bulldogs play, if you're coming midweek, chances are you're coming to watch the girls play. The ladies, pardon me. I don't mean to be demeaning. But that's the reality of it because you, the expectation is you're going to win. And uh, it's easier to like the women's basketball team a lot of times, right? And I, I, I don't know what it is about that, but I know this. I know that uh, – 
that Vic Schaefer and those ladies stayed after, because I know we, we paid for it in the media room, because sometimes it would take us sometimes 30 to 45 minutes and sometimes an hour to begin the post-game press conference because our players were still out there socializing with the fans. There is a relationship there between those ladies and our fans that makes everybody you know, mutually appreciative of one another. I don't know that we get that on the men's side. And, I, you know, listen, one of the things that I, that I love at Mississippi State is that we all feel like we're a part of it. And our baseball program has grown to the point that, uh, you know, there, there was some silliness, I guess, you know, in the 70s and 80s that, that's not really part of the thing now. And I'm not saying that we've lost our charm, but my point being is that, uh, you know, I think of all the programs that we have, Mississippi State baseball is the one that uh, we have probably had more superstars than any other. But if you go out there after a ball game, there's not a single kid on that roster that won't take a picture with you, sign your baseball, get to know your kids, shake their hands. It just doesn't happen. I mean, they, those are players that appreciate our fans and they understand the legacy uh, that's been built. So, but if there's anybody out there that can kind of poke their chest out and say, hey, listen, I want to do this kind of stuff, it's Mississippi State baseball, but they do it. Mississippi State football, you, you see those guys as they're leaving the complex, they'll take a picture with you and all your kids. But for some reason, the men's basketball program, it just it, it seems a little prickly at times. It just does. It just, it's, it's easier to like those guys that are winning and feeling like they're sharing their success with you. And so I, I think there's some things we've got to do a little bit differently with men's basketball to, to make it a little more fan-friendly. It's one of those things, if you're winning big, and uh, you know I can kind of understand you keeping me at arm's length, but when you're not winning big, you probably need to do some things public relations-wise to kind of pull me in. Because that's the amazing thing about the women's side of it, and especially baseball. Our fans feel they're part of the experience. They're not just there to cheer. Not only do they get to cheer for their favorite players, they get to see them and meet them after ball games. Uh, and, and I know people are saying, well, Steve, you know, listen, it's all about winning. And it is. But I think if we're going to blame the fans for the attendance and we're going to blame fans, the fan support for a lack of success, then we've got to make this a lot more fan friendly. And maybe I'm wrong, and maybe you're wrong. Maybe fan support's got nothing to do with it. Maybe we're just not good at basketball. Or maybe we're just average at basketball. Uh, I think there's probably the truth lies somewhere in between. Campus Bookmart, longtime sponsors of this show. If you haven't been by to see them, you certainly should be. Stan the man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie. They'll take care of you and treat you like family when you go by there because in their mind, you are family. If you haven't been by recently, you can peruse their fine selections at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays, and that is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. And many of you have asked. I have seen thousands of posts, literally tens of millions of trillions of posts, where do I get Mississippi State mask? Because we got to mask it up, Mississippi. Well, right there at campusbookmart.net. You can order them, and they're going to keep the supplies coming in. Uh, so go do that. Rep the brand. I know a lot of those masks that we get are kind of temporary, and they, 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 don't, they don't hold up, and most people don't like wearing them. I get it. I don't think anybody out there would choose to wear a mask unless they felt it was a good thing. 
But if you got to wear one, you might as well wear one that reps the maroon and the white. That's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. So I'm continuing to get messages from you guys, number one, about books. And uh, pretty soon we're going to open up uh, pre-orders for the new book, Alpha Dogs. Very excited about that. This has been one of those weeks where I have uh, not had as much to do. I've had to do a couple things here and there. You know, there'll be an edit note that comes back to me, but I haven't had to commit myself on a day-to-day -day basis to work about 18 hours a day, which is what I've done, I feel like, for the last four months. But uh, you can probably hear it in my voice. I'm a little more well-rested. I've been able to sleep a little bit later and a little more at peace because uh, this process is winding down. And so pretty soon the book will go out to layout, and then they'll find a few things here and there. We'll have to kind of fine tune that. And then we'll push it off to print. And once we do, you'll be able to pre-order the book. I don't know how book signings are going to go. And so the one way to guarantee that you're going to get a personalized or signing copy of the book is to order it from our website. We'll have the Alpha Dogs, the book URL, if we don't already. But you can go ahead and get up to date by going to StarkVillainsTheBook.com and order personalized copies of Flim Flam and Stark Villains. You can get them right there. But, and all those URLs are going to go to the same place. I, mean, I think they're rerouting Flim Flam to get it there. But you can go to BeautifulSteveRobertson.com. You can go to Stark Villains the Book. All of those are going to take you to the same place where you can order those products and uh, have those sent to you. And a lot of people are thinking, well, Steve, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. They may delay football season. Well, then maybe you ought to read about football. Maybe you ought to read about Mississippi State. I, I, it's been the joy of my life to put these stories together. I'm really excited about the next project, but I'm going to allow my mind to rest here for about a month. And then we'll get to work on that. I'm excited about all of that. I'm excited to kind of expand the repertoire a little bit, if you know what I'm saying. But uh, in my heart, it's always been Mississippi State. And who, who wouldn't love to talk to Eric Moulds about being a Mississippi State Bulldog? Who wouldn't love talking to Rafael Palmero about why he chose Mississippi State in the first place? And how he, you know, got that signature swing. You know, those are the, the, some of the greatest joys of my life is being able to have one-on-one -on -one interviews with people that I respect and cheered for that gave us all so many great memories. And uh, that's what Stark Villains and Alpha Dogs uh, have done for me. While Flim Flam was a, a tremendous first offering, and, and that book is still selling, which is incredible to me. Uh, but... As much as I enjoyed Flim Flam and that writing process and all the accolades and stuff that went with that, uh, writing about Mississippi State and big moments in Mississippi State history, it's been a ton of fun for me. And for those of you that love that kind of stuff, once a week on Gene's page, I do a, um, it's usually on Thursdays, I do a Diamond Dog Tales. And uh, I wrote yesterday about 1918, because I love those old baseball stories. I love unearthing that stuff and finding it. But 1918, Mississippi State had a near-perfect weekend. Two pitchers beat Mississippi College 4-0, or 5-0, 1-0. And State scored more runs than Mississippi College had base runners. We threw a no-hitter on Friday. R.H. Pepper threw that one and allowed four walks. And you're thinking, man, it's one of the greatest days ever. Well, then the very next day, JT Petros throws a perfect game. Doesn't allow a single base runner. We win one nothing. And you begin to think about, okay, man, how cool would that have been? And what's interesting, too, is that was the second perfect game 
in Mississippi State history. Willie Mitchell threw one uh, prior to that. Willie Mitchell, of course, is a guy that played in major leagues for a long time. But, uh, again, I remind people all the time, and, and some people think I'm being a little bit disrespectful. I don't mean to be. But we, there are a lot of people that think we just started playing baseball in 1985, and that's just not true. We have been a national power of a baseball program uh, for much of the last 50 years. But even before that, you know, back in 1948 when they had the first NCAA uh, baseball tournament, you know, uh, we were already a good program. We have been a great program for a long, long time, even back to our infancy. Uh, as a baseball program before college baseball became organized, you know we we were great then. You know we were playing semi-pro teams from around the area and putting up great records. And uh, you know we, we beat Ole Miss on the regular all throughout our history. And so I, I share that with you because I think it's important for us to really have some attention shown on the people that built this program, and not just baseball but all programs, and, and to be able to tell those old stories because many of those are those guys are gone. And uh, one of the greatest things to me, and I share this with you, uh, it, it's, it was difficult for me when I first learned this, but uh, you know, I'd always put off interviewing Stan Black. I've had so many people that have, that have shared with me, and Stan Black and I were friends on Facebook for many years and uh, never really interacted. But I had people say, hey, Stan's got some great stories you need to get together. Well, I never got the opportunity, or let me rephrase that. I, I didn't take the opportunity until it was too late. And I wrote about that in the introduction to Stark Villains, is that uh, that really motivated me to get going, to begin to capture these stories and write these stories, because when our, when our greats are gone, their stories die with them. And, uh, and so I wrote about that, and I had a chance to sign a book uh, you know, for Stan's lovely wife, um, you know, through some friends of the family, I guess relatives. And then one day at the hump, she... Uh, she introduced herself from a distance, and I got a chance to talk to her at, at Duty Noble one day. And she shared with me, she said, before Stan died, he was reading Flim Flam. And uh, that means a lot to me. I get emotional just thinking about that. And uh, that she has left his bookmark exactly where it is on the nightstand, exactly how he left it. And uh, it just makes me, it, there was something within me when I heard that that kind of clicked with me that, that gave me some sense of satisfaction that... Um, that there was an appreciation on both sides of this thing. And so, uh, but I share that with you just because of the fact we are a family. And I think we say that kind of stuff all the time. But uh, there are many of you that I would never have known had we not been Mississippi State folks. And I'm so glad. I, I share with people all the time. I'm so glad my dad chose to attend Mississippi State University. It means so much to me because these people share my values and there's just a common cause here that uh, we're all a part of. And listen, we, we may not always agree, and that's okay, but uh, we can all agree on our love for Mississippi State. And uh, I'm so incredibly proud that I've got two girls at Mississippi State now and that they will graduate as uh, Mississippi State Bulldogs. It means a lot to me, and I know it mean, would have meant a lot to my dad if he'd been alive to see it. But anyway, I'm going to move on from that and uh, remind you to uh, StarkVillains.com. You can go pick up your Stark Villains shirts and hoodies right there. Again, you can get your school colors. I know, Mom, Dad, you listen, your kids don't want to wear the same thing as everybody else, but these things should fit your dress code, and you can find it at StarkVillains.com. Do one for yourself as well. That's going to do it for today. Back on Monday, we'll have another cool top ten list, and you never know what all we're going to talk about, but we could have some more recruiting news coming sooner rather than later. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.